in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That's me. Hi. Um, how are you? So, three is it three weeks from today? Three weeks from today, we take back New York. We take back America. This can really happen, people. It looks like we're going to take 60 seats. Well, I say we. I'm not a Republican, but I'm talking about, you know, people who are not crazy. Um, and uh, it looks like it really does. Zeldin can do this thing. Zeldin can do it. He had a great line. Uh, he's working his ass off to save New York. Whereas Kathy Hochul is barely working to save Kathy Hochul. She is running scared, won't debate him, hiding, uh, spending a lot of time in the beauty parlor, a lot of time with the Botox person, and uh, just trying to scare people about abortion. I don't think it's going to work. Hey, uh, remember how I told you I was very, uh, you know, kind of tentatively, uh, you know, going back to the subway? Um, those days are over for a couple of months at least. I got the bejesus scared out of me today. I really did. Um, what I have always been this apprehensive, probably not, but now that I have a, I have a family, I got a wife, I can't get beat up on the train. I, I can't, I can't, I just can't go, get through that. I also can't die down there. I'm sorry. So what happened was, um, I was only on the train for a little while. The guy probably thought he scared me off the train. Well, he did scare me. But, you know, it's just very uncomfortable when somebody stares at you for a long time. And this guy was very disheveled. Um, you know, he, he just he, he certainly wasn't on his way to work. He wasn't on his way from work. It's a Tuesday morning, you know, morning traffic, kind of right around the late end of rush hour. He's basically dressed in pajamas. He's a well-built guy, and uh, he's staring at me. And he won't take his eyes off me. You know, and I look back, oh, he's still looking at me. Oh, 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 gee, what the heck? And then I think to all the videos of all the fights I've been seeing lately, and and then I realize nobody ever comes to anybody's aid, right? Nobody ever helps anybody out. So I start looking around at the people who are on the train with me, and it just happened to be a pretty scrawny-looking bunch. I mean, I, even if they did want to help me, I don't think they could help me. So I got the hell off. Uh, it was my next stop, but I feel like this guy knows what he did. And I also feel like if I stayed on the train for another uh, stop or two, I would, might not have gotten off the train ever. So this is happening all the time now. Did you see the big riot on the escalator at Grand Central? Yeah, this is, this is real stuff. Now, Eric Adams pretends there's not a problem. Uh, I told you guys that this person had no business being mayor, none whatsoever, and he thinks he's an emperor. But remember, he got 200,000 votes on the last day of school last year. That's it. And through ranked choice voting, 8 million people live in New York. He got a little over 200,000 votes. 200, that's it. And he's walking around. He wears the silliest clothes, by the way. Silly! I'm done talking about his nice suits. He has overdone it, and some of them are actually pretty cheap. Now, he says it's all in our imagination. Cut five. We can't get away from the fact we have 3.5 million people using our subway system. We, we have to be honest about that. And those average of six crimes a day is not giving the impression that our system is out of control. 
It's, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to you, um, Nolan. Uh, and so uh, my goal is to continue that deployment and enhance that police coverage and, and to make sure that we deal with the mental health crises, not only on our subway system, but on our streets. This is all he has, just words. Just, you know, he's like, he's like narrating. He's narrating. And what he was saying there, even though he's talking pretty fast and also grammatically he was all over the place, saying that six crimes documented a day on the subway system. Um, and by the way, believe me, they cook the books. They absolutely do cook the books. They've done it before. They're doing it now. They bend over backwards to help this mayor um, look good. And, uh, but it's not working. And he says the perception is out of control because the reality is not that. All right, cut six, please. There are too many guns on our streets. <laughs> we brought down homicides. We brought down uh, victims of shooters. Uh, we continue to do the job. The, our police department has done an amazing job, 27-year high. Uh, the thousands of guns we remove, removed off our streets. But everyone must play the role. Judges must keep shooters in jail. Lawmakers make sure we don't make laws that allow them to return to our, our streets. And we have to prosecute these cases. Oh. There are too many guns Too many on guns. Our right. You're going to complain about There have all, always been too many guns on the street. Since 1890, there have been too many guns on the street. What you want is the criminals to leave the guns at home. All right? Because they are, they might be stopped and questioned and frisked if... They act in a suspicious manner. Furtive movements. You can look it up. Cops have a whole litany of reasons why they can stop, question, and frisk somebody. However, not anymore. Every time they do it, they've got to fill out a form. They've got to ask for permission. Then they've got to show up in court to defend themselves. Um, let's see. Oh, he is. Now, this is where he gets way too much credit from conservatives. Oh, did you hear Eric Adams is pressuring Joe Biden? Uh, that that just what he's really just doing is bragging that he talked to Biden. He can't believe it that he gets to talk to the president. Cut eight. It's not only about who is here, but who is coming here. Uh, I was happy to see that the uh, White House has taken the first steps about stopping the flow, addressing this issue at the board. I've stated this all the time, that we need to address this All right, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. He's just an idiot. He's a blabbering idiot. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know how to do anything other than get dressed, go to dinner, go to clubs, and be a blabbermouth at the microphone. He's all over the place, and we are screwed. Absolutely. I think there's going to be a pretty significant shift at the police department. The only problem is Eric, after the shift, is probably still going to think that he's the police commissioner and he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know. And there's I think I, I heard him say earlier in the day that uh, I'm the mayor and I, I was elected to fix all these problems. And if you can't fix them yourself, uh, well, you shouldn't be the mayor. What? Yeah, he thinks he can fix all the problems because he was elected on the last day of school. The last day of school, he gets 200,000 votes. Oh, here's a bright light, though. I was just talking about him. Lee Zeldin. Here's a voice of sanity and reason. Cut 11, please. When I first started running, people would ask me, are you a John Boehner Republican or a Tea Party Republican? And I would get asked, are you a Ted Cruz Republican or a Pete King Republican? 
At the start of this campaign, I was asked, are you a Charlie Baker Republican or a Ron DeSantis Republican? I'm my own man. Uh, but this race is about is about Lee Zeldin against Kathy Hochul deciding the future of New York State. It's not about the former president. Okay, look, he's got to, you know, he's got to have some distance between him and Trump. I get it. It's okay in New York, you know, and there are people out there who understand that. I think Trump even understands that. The legendary Al D'Amato, right? Wasn't he the one who said, uh, I think I heard this from Simone. He said uh, Al D'Amato would call candidates and said, look, I want you to stay in office. I will either endorse you or I will come out against you. Whatever helps, okay? Whatever helps. So I think that's why they're keeping a little bit of distance. And, and here he goes on Donald Trump. Donald Trump and Lee Zeldin cut 10. Shouldn't have been news. I mean, he's uh, he supported me before this weekend. We've been getting great support from all over. I mean, we're getting support from... People who are Republicans, who are Democrats, who are independents. Uh, this is great how many people want to help us win this race and to save this state. Uh, we've gotten support from Democrat sitting elected officials, Bob Holden, for example, in Queens, from former Democratic All right, congratulations. I think I mean, he can do it. I think he can do it. I really, really do. Um, his commercials are fantastic. He is a good guy with a strong record. And you know what? Unlike Kathy Hochul, who wasn't able to get herself reelected to the House of Representatives, she was there for one term, two years. I mean, you you know how few, how rare that is to get ousted after just two years in Congress. I mean, you got to go out of your way to 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 lose your reelection bid or to get redistricted out of business. Now, how long is how long has uh, Zeldin been there? He's been there for like at least six years, eight years. He's been. You know, getting reelected. All right, the people have bought into this guy. They never did to Kathy. Remember about Kathy? Cuomo chose her because she was a nobody, and that's what he wanted. That's who he wanted uh, by his, not even by his side. They they never spent any time together. I think she had standing orders to like you know never be in the same city uh, with him. Hey, do you remember um, yesterday? I was talking about this guy who wrote for Newsweek. His name is. Delano Squires. And you know there's an exodus from the Democrat Party. Black men. Black men are leaving the Democrat Party. Um, like something like one in five have left. And they're they're coming over to Trump. And that is really, really significant. And this guy Delano wrote up a whole thing about um, how black men have been essentially emasculated by the Democrat Party. It's not sitting well with them. Uh, government has been moving in, in a way, on their turf. They have had an active hand in breaking up the black family. And all the money that was poured in with LBJ and the Great Society and all the money since has done so much to undermine black families. Um, you know, One in four black children back in the 1960s was born uh, into a one-parent household. All right. Usually no father. That number increased to 50 percent in the 1980s. Right now, it's about 70 percent. And one of the first to call attention to this crisis was the late, great Daniel Patrick Moynihan. In 1965, he wrote a big report. It was called the Moynihan Report about what they called at the time. We don't use this word anymore. The Negro family and that it was in crisis. And, of course, he was attacked. Like, how can you say such things? 
Listen to his response. This is Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who would go on to be New York's uh, senator for, I think, 25, 24 years or so. Ambassador to the U.N., ambassador to India. He worked with Democrats. He worked with Republicans like Richard Nixon. And um, But here he is taking on that criticism on Meet the Press in 1965, cut 26. The New York Times quotes you today as uh, saying, you say that 44% of the children in Harlem are illegitimate. Now, how do you know that? Those are statistics in the New York City Department of Health, sir. Ten, ten health districts in central Harlem, the area with the, which the great American sociologist Kenneth Clark described in his Haru report as having undergone a massive deterioration of the fabric of society and its institutions, and right under our prosperous noses that happened. That hasn't existed for 50 years. That's happened in the last 15 years in this America, and we've been sitting around thinking things have been getting better, and they haven't been getting better for those children. And I think we, I for one, if you think, see what people can face for the civil rights movement in the way of sheriffs, in the way of howling mobs in the way of the disapproval of their entire society, well, I think, I, I would hope certainly I'm willing to face the disapproval of a few uh, white liberals from Boston who think I shouldn't raise the subject because it's impolite. What a great man. What a great man. Daniel Patrick Moynihan, a man of intellect and a man of action. Man, oh, man, oh, man. They don't make them like, well, maybe they do, but not many of them out there. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Now people are scared to even talk about it. Scared. That li- and it leaves it to guys like me, okay? I'm not afraid, but I thank you, DPM, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, boy. It's happening again. It's happening. Oh, no. Right before our eyes, Joe Biden is inappropriately a touching inappropriately a touching women right there in front of a million people it's it's incredible the arrogance of this guy and quite frankly the the horniness something's up now he just finished a speech about who knows what you know, and he walks over and there are a bunch of women standing by he grabs one by the face and holds it for about a minute She's an older woman. She's probably 65 or so, but I've seen Joe grow old ladies, young girls, you name it. He'll, he's into it. He's down to get down. Grabs her face and then puts hands on her. I've never, ever, ever. Wait, a stranger? Are you crazy? I, I, loved ones, girlfriends. I don't, t- I don't grab them like that in public, certainly. Uh, uh, not that I have any girlfriends. <laughs> right? That's all in the past, but my goodness Gracious, never. Public displays of affection are so over. And he did that twice with the old lady, and then there's another girl. She's like maybe 22. Grabs her hand, then her face, then her hand again. And then he doesn't let go of the hand as he starts shaking other people's hands. He's still holding hers. And won't let go. And then she kind of suddenly, like, okay, the smile goes from her face. She realizes she's being held captive by this creepy guy. There's no other, exp- there's no other description. He is a creepy guy. You can't do this. 
You couldn't do it before Me Too. You can't do it after Me Too. Who the hell is going to talk to this guy? What, what, what about Jill? What about his chief of staff? What about all these friends? Somebody has got to keep him away from women. It's happening right there in front of every... There's something really wrong. Really wrong. And uh, so there's that. <laughs> and then somebody needs to have another intervention. And this is with uh, uh, Eric Adams. Eric, as uh, <laughs> uh, he overdresses and he's overconfident. Now listen to him speak about his abilities and how he knows everything. And by the way, he is wearing, again, it's horrendous. He's got like, he's got him in six colors. The uh, three-piece suit. Now, a three-piece suit with a regular vest is over the top. He has a double-breasted vest somehow. And it looks like he's out of 1890. It's ludicrous. It's all bright, spanking new, shiny, and it's cheesy. Who was that guy? It actually cost him a lot. He cost him the the mayoralty. Uh, Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker was also known to dress up, and he did not complete his term, right? He had to resign and get the hell out of the country. I hope the same thing happens to Eric. Here we go. Go ahead. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No, I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. And so I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. And that's why I have a commissioner that's capable of doing it. And then make up your mind. Are you going to do it yourself? you got the commissioner. I'm doing it. He's drunk, drunk on his own, uh, high on his own supply. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey. Hey, did you hear that? Do you remember? What is an out-of-control ego? I'm trying to think of anybody who talks like that. Muhammad Ali in his prime. But the thing about Muhammad Ali, he was right. He was the greatest in the world. And he was he was he was incredibly um well spoken. I mean, more than well spoken. He was like he was like Abe Lincoln. It was poetry. It was beautiful. This Eric Adams, he's just he's just got I and you got to picture it, right? He's wearing a, a, a like the a ludicrously over the top three piece suit, yelling and screaming about what a what a big deal he is. Go ahead. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No, <laughs> I want the problem. Smarter. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want. It's too big for you. It's too big for you. I think he catches himself somewhere in here where he realizes even for him he's sounding ridiculous. Keep going. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. Stop it. Again, remember this, folks. Eight million people, 200,000. 200,000 on the last day of school in June. Voted for this guy. (laughs) All right. New Yorkers, hey, I did my part. I got the hell out there and voted against this guy. Did you? Keep going. 
Oh, I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. And that's why I have a commissioner that's capable of doing it. So all those who are saying that my correction officers are not capable of doing it, all those who are saying, you know, have others come in to handle our education, to handle this, to handle that, to handle that. <laughs> all I can say to them, don't ever run for mayor because of your solution to solving the problems of this city is to find other people to fix them, then you should never be the mayor of this city of New York. Mayor Adams want the problems because I was elected to fix them. You see how screwed we are? He really thinks he's all that. Can you imagine uh, John F. Kennedy coming out there and saying, Era, I uh, became the uh, president and uh, therefore I will also be the Secretary of State. Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Atchison and Avery Dulles, uh, go to hell. I'll be re- I will be running everything from this point on. Because I am the president and you people uh, voted for me and I have this beautiful suit from uh, Savile Row. Yes, my wife, Jackie O, who's a great piece of ass, let's face it, uh, she uh, she bought this suit for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, uh, you know what he could be talking about? But he doesn't probably know this. He doesn't know this. What is the leading cause of death? For young black men, the leading cause of death. I didn't know it myself, actually, although I'm curious about the world and I'm open minded and I'm always looking for things and I'm always listening and hearing. I even watch things that I don't necessarily agree with or enjoy. I'm committed to learning, lifelong learning. Something tells me that's not Eric's uh, forte. Cut 25, please. This is from the Herschel Walker Raphael Warnock debate on Friday night. Yes, I stayed in and I watched the debate on Friday night instead of going to uh, Club Chicano or Club Milano or whatever the hell club it is that he likes. Cut 25. This is according to the CDC. Homicide is the leading cause of death for African-American youth. Did you catch that? One more time because you got it. She says it fast. I got to hear that one more time, please. This is according to the CDC. Homicide is the leading cause of death for African-American youth. And she's right. And actually, African-American youth, African-American youth goes all the way to the age of 44. It's the number one cause of death from the age of 1 to 44 years old, homicide, followed by unintentional injuries, chronic lower respiratory disease, suicide, and cancer is in fifth place. Now, you might be thinking, well, so what? You want to hear the top five for white men, the same age group? Number one, heart disease. Number two, cancer. Number three, unintentional injuries. Number four, chronic lower respiratory diseases. Number five, stroke. Number six, Alzheimer's disease. Number seven, diabetes. Number eight, suicide. Number nine, influenza and pneumonia. Number 10, chronic liver disease. I can go on like that. It's not, it's not even on the list. Homicide. Young black men. This is a cra- For all the nonsense, all the fake blaming of cops, it's, black on, it's young black men killing other black men, young black men. It is, the, it is an epidemic. It is chronic. It is happening all around us. But... God help you if you talk about it. You know, they tried to cancel Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Oh, they did. And it came up periodically throughout his career. They tried to make it an issue. But 
he's right. He was right. I am right. That moderator at the debate the other night was right. This is a – and you know what? It's not, it's not untrue that we can, we can change this. We can actually change it. I do believe culturally it's possible that there has to be a great awakening and a huge shift in people's thinking, but it can happen. I don't know what's going to trigger it. You know, there were people like Barack Obama. Again, he was just trying to get people to like him, primarily white people. When he said this to black audiences, cut 27. We need fathers to recognize that responsibility doesn't just end at conception. That doesn't just make you a father. What makes you a man is not the ability to have a child. Any fool can have a child. That doesn't make you a father. It's the courage to raise a child that makes you a father. Wow. You hear how he, um, I agree with all that stuff, by the way. But he's pandering, actually. He's pandering to multiple audiences. He's saying to white America, look what I can say to a black audience. Huh? How about that? Could you do it? No. Not in 2008. In 2022, quite frankly, if you're not going to do it, Barack, if, um, let's see, LeBron's not going to do it. Oprah Winfrey is retired. Mainstream media won't even acknowledge it. It, it, it goes to people like me <laughs> on Channel 998, okay, on Newsmax and elsewhere to, uh, to raise this issue because it's very, very important. And you know who else it falls to? Donald J. Trump. Cut 29. Look how much... African-American communities have suffered under democratic control. To those I say the following, what do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? He was right. And the way he spoke about it multiple occasions in 2016, he went to a black church actually in 2016. He talked about how Democrats show up at election time. I always noticed this as a kid. I always thought it was a major opportunity for a politician. You know, you only hear from them when they want your vote, and then they go away, and then, you know, then they come back. I thought, wouldn't it be great for a leader to come back while they're governing, you know, just to come back? And he does that. He, he did it, and he does it, and it's powerful, and it works. Sal is in Long Island, yes. Hey, how are you, Greg? Um, I have a question for you. Are my beliefs protected under the Constitution of the United States? Uh, you can think whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. Now, not every activity is protected under the Constitution of the United States, as you as you know. But I'm allowed to think I, whatever the hell I, I want. Believe, so are you, Sal. Sal. I, if I believe something, is that protected or no? Well, I mean, are you going to shoot your mouth off about it or not? And yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna, all I'm, I'm gonna, all for I'm shooting my mouth off. Hey, dude, I'm, I'm not a constitutional say. lawyer. I mean, I, I I can read it like you can. Uh, yeah, you can I believe whatever what you want. Believe. So what is it? What is it you're getting at? What do you want to? What is yeah, it? What I, is it? I believe that I believe that Anthony Fauci, with the help of Chinese government, manufactured COVID nineteen, released it into the population. To get rid of it, Donald Trump. That's what I believe. Okay, you are absolutely entitled to say that, to believe that. 
quite frankly, uh, I think <laughs> uh, you might be onto something. I, I, I don't know if it was uh, deliberate to get Trump on Fauci's part, but the Chinese, I wouldn't put it past them. Hell, they've been known to slaughter millions of their own people, mil- tens of millions. Look at how communism took hold. Look at Mao Zedong and that long, crazy march he went on. All the stuff that they were willing to, uh, all the people they were willing to kill for that ugly, unnatural ideology of theirs. I would definitely not put it past the Chinese. Not one bit, Sal. So you're allowed to say that. Uh, you're allowed to post it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Facebook also is allowed to say, you can't say that on Facebook. Twitter, unfortunately, and I hate this, is allowed to say, you can't say that on Twitter. I hate it. I don't like it. I think we should change the law. I think I think those companies are too big. We should buy it back. But do you accept that, Saul? I reluctantly have to accept it. Uh, yeah, that that Facebook can I, say, sure, Saul, you can say that, but we don't agree with you, so we're taking it off our our website. Do you do you believe yeah, that they have that authority? Uh, yeah, sure. They uh, you know they they Twitter they Twitter uh, permanently they throw me out of Twitter. But anyway, how about Lee Zeldin? Lee Zeldin doesn't have to distance himself from Donald Trump, because you know what? What I heard today, I love Donald Trump and I like Lee Zeldin to win. But if he loses, I don't care. Just because of he said that, he doesn't have to do it. Wait a second, because he wait wait you don't care. If you don't, people are going to die, quite frankly. I hate to overdo it, but people are going to die if Kathy Hochul is is elected. People will die. It would be alive. So I do care. He doesn't have to distance himself from Donald Trump. Of course, Sal, Sal, Sal. He's running. He's running in New York State. He's running in New York City. He needs 30% at least of the vote in New York. We got all kinds of Trump-hating lunatics all over the place. You know, Trump knows politics. Sometimes you embrace somebody you like. Sometimes you need to have a little distance. You know, there are a lot of folks who hate Trump. I love Trump. I have friends who hate Trump. I love the guy. Whatever. He's polarizing. Saul, he's running for governor of New York State. It's good that Trump endorsed him. That's going to work upstate. People are going to come out and vote. I don't... But cut the guy some slack. Here we are nitpicking every little thing that Lee Zeldin does, all right? He needs our support. Why the hell are you going out of your way to call up and say you don't care if he loses? Well, I'm going to vote for him. He's going to have five votes from my house, one million percent, but he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't. Hey, 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 do me a favor, Saul. Saul, I appreciate that you're voting for him. But if you don't like the way he's doing it, you can uh, run for governor next time and arrange for Donald Trump to endorse you, and you can talk about it all you want. I love Trump, but there is a time and place for these endorsements, okay? This is politics. Richard Nixon said, to get the nomination, you got to run to the right. To get the general, to win in the general, you got to run to the center. This is a truism of political life. It just is. And if you can't accept it, all right, I'm just, that's the way the world works, especially here in New York. Sal, I appreciate it. Phew. Uh, yeah. You got to cut him some slack. I remember once I was watching This Week with David Brinkley in 1987 with my father. We're on the couch, and we're watching, like, it's some sort of political breakfast, and the reporter is saying, the candidates converged on this diner in uh, Iowa. And... <laughs> 
And Michael Dukakis puts a big chunk of donut in his in his mouth. <laughs> you're just like you just like if you're watching TV, it's like wow, that was a big piece of donut. And I think uh, I don't remember exactly what the comment was. Uh, my dad said something about you know, hey, look at him putting his that donut in his mouth like that. Huh? Look at him. Hey. <laughs> look at us watching him in our underwear complaining about how he's eating a donut. <laughs> just like we got to cut these guys some slack. Not not Dukakis. Not Biden, but certainly our friends, okay? Certainly our friends. Going back to our friends, do I want to, hey, they're trying to stop uh, Herschel Walker, and it ain't working. It ain't working whatsoever. Uh, Last night, they had this whole thing. Uh, They led the NBC Nightly News with it. And I think what they're trying to do, let's face it, Herschel Walker doesn't sound like a regular uh, blow dried candidate, right? Do me a favor, get me some, get me some sound from Herschel Walker, just to see what he sounds like. You know, I mean, he's, he's just not, he's not, he's not Barack Obama, and that's fine. You don't have to be, but if you listen to the substance of his answers, he was terrific. They say, name one good thing that Joe Biden has done, and he's like, well, you know, he likes his ice cream. I thought that was pretty funny, you know. I, or what's one thing that he's done that you agree with? Well, I, I like ice cream too, and they're like, "That doesn't count. Come up with something else. We'll give you a minute." And it's like, "Well, uh, there's something I agree with him on that he hasn't done. He said he'd unify the country, and he hasn't done that." And they try to portray this as an aha moment. You see, he could not come up with one thing. Well, he did. He came up with two, and it was very expertly handled by Herschel Walker. They are totally panicking. They know they're going to lose the Senate, most likely. They know they're going to lose the House by a mile, 10 miles, 60 miles, maybe. So uh, they're really focusing on Georgia and this crazy Raphael Warnock, who ran over his wife's foot. Hey, I notice NBC will not show us the documents. Listen to this. One, cut 36, please. Cut 36. NBC News has now spoken to that former girlfriend who provided us with what she says is a copy of a $700 check that Walker gave her to pay for the abortion and a receipt from the medical center in Georgia where she alleges it took place. NBC News is not revealing the woman's identity or the documents to protect the privacy of all parties. Of all parties. Herschel Walkers? (laughs) Why can't we see the checks? Here's what's going to happen. All right. Next week, a little bit closer to the election, then they'll show us the documents. They wanted to make a one-day story, a two-day story, a two-week story, a one-month story, all the way till the election. It ain't going to work. Herschel Walker, I'm with you. I'll be right back. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, anybody see the debate in Ohio? J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan. I did not see this one. Let's see. Politico says locked in an extraordinarily tight race. Vance and Ryan battled over who has the bigger ass kisser or suck up to their respective party leaders. 
It was a fitting finale for two candidates who appeared to only barely tolerate each other's presence and a marked break from the mild-mannered persona cultivated by the man they're trying to succeed, retiring Senator Rob Portman. Uh, all right. I don't know. Go, J.D. Vance. What does Ryan have? Ryan is um, trying to defend uh, Joe Biden uh, every time he turns around. That is not going to work. Ahmad from Brooklyn. Yes, sir. Welcome. Hey, my man. Um, so I, I'm coming on the air. I want to speak to other Muslims and the general community at large. I think it's our duty to vote conservative because the conservative line more aligns with our faith and what we believe in than woke Democrat politics. Um, I don't agree with Zeldin on every issue, but I think by and large, us as a community and the greater New York community would be better off with Zeldin as the governor. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I love it when uh, Muslims and uh, other faiths come together. I don't know if you saw what happened in Michigan, but um, in Dearborn, which has a big Muslim population, a lot of Christian moms and a lot of uh, Muslim moms and dads came together to reject and uh, call out the school board for pornographic books that the school board was insisting be in a children's library. You heard about that? That's really going on. We've got a lot in common, don't we? Listen, we're... In, in our community, our community, by and large, is mostly conservative. It's just like anything else. Our community has been hijacked by uh, these woke uh, Democrat fundamentalist uh, Muslims that, that want to give the impression that we're okay, you know, siding with woke politics, but we're not. We're family-oriented, just like everybody else. You know, we believe in a strong central government. We believe in law and order. We believe in economic prosperity. You know, this is this is these are the tenets of our faith. And I think that people like me need to project that onto the greater community. I love it, Ahmad. Thank you so much. And uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Let's uh, Susan's got something to say about Lee Zeldin as we get ready for the break. Hi. Listen, if you look at a map of New York State, all the counties in 2020, uh, Trump won, uh, I believe, every one of them except for three. So he won 95 percent or more of the counties. Now, granted, the three counties that he um, lost in for urban areas, um, they have a higher um, you know, population. But if he would only get a little stronger on his message about charter schools and school choice in those urban areas— the minorities are overwhelmingly needing and for. They uh, always try to get their kids into charter schools, and there's so few openings. So Leah said that he could lift the um, a number of charter schools. I love it. Charter schools are very, very popular. We love them. And uh, Susan, if the Zeldin people are listening, that would be a very good idea. Uh, maybe he's doing it already. I don't know about the messaging. Hey, Susan, thank you. I'll be back in a little bit. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, it's, this is turning into a big thing. This is turning into a big thing. Everyone's talking about it now. Joe Biden groped, borderline molested two women just now, moments ago, in public, in full view of everybody. Oh, my God, you can't do that to people you just met. 
the power, the arrogance. He, no, 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 no. Uh, forget me too. This is nobody. You're never supposed to do this. Never allowed to do this kind of stuff. Remember, it almost knocked him out of the campaign. Yeah, people forget now, but uh, a woman in uh, Nevada back in 2018 or so, when you know there was still a lot of buzz around uh, Bernie and there were Democrats rooting for Bernie. Uh, she came out and said, look, uh, he, uh, I, I had an event with him and he made me very uncomfortable. He smelled my hair and uh, just grabbed me. And it was just very, very uncomfortable. And he had to come out with an apology. And he talked about how he's going to do better. And that when he was coming of age in politics, you know, it was normal. You touch people, you know, you want to connect with people. You're a hugger. And that's what he was. But he said, I think it was one of those moments where he said, I get it. I get it. I'm going to do better. Things have changed. Well, um, he didn't, and he can't, and he won't. Uh, I think he's a bad guy. I'm sorry. I just, I think he's a, re- not beyond redemption, of course, but this is, uh, right now he needs it. He needs it. He is lost. One lost soul. Remember, I played it for you many times when he looked at all of us on Inauguration Day, and he said, I pledge, I swear to God, that I will always level with you. He's always leveling with us. Yet he tells us the economy is just fine. Actually, he said it was better than fine. It's, uh, what do they say? It's great as hell. It's good as hell. It's something like that, you know? Uh, he's, he's just, this is a man who is a born liar. A born liar. And I'm going to do something special with this tonight. I'm sorry. You could say it's superficial. I think it's pretty damned important. And he's up there talking about abortion, how we're going to make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. You know, if he really felt so, let me go through this right now. The House of Representatives is currently run by the Democrats, right? Nancy Pelosi. Okay. Uh, The Senate is currently run by the Democrats. Chuck Schumer, right? Okay. And let's see, the White House is currently uh, occupied by a Democrat, Joe Biden. So... If they feel so strongly about Roe v. Wade and they think they can make it the law of the land, well, why don't they do it right now? Why don't they do it right now? What would be preventing, you know, oh, oh, I get it. They want it as an issue for the election. They want to yell and complain and scream about it. Uh, Is that it? Is that it? I mean, I know I'm being naive here and there are all kinds of parliamentary this, that and the other thing and as to why and maybe the Republicans won't let it happen and that's fine with me, but... I mean, are they pushing for it to happen right now when they have all this power? They're about to lose it. Why aren't they trying to get these things done now? Huh. Huh. And it's true. Uh, We have some people hiding in America. They're hiding from great candidates like Lee Zeldin and that woman in Arizona, Carrie Lake. We got two superstars running for governor. Oh, three. Tudor Dixon. Hey, I'll say this about Gretchen Whitmer. At least she showed up at the debate. Got her clock cleaned, but she showed up at the debate. I think she's going to get her clock cleaned again on Election Day. But Carrie Lake is running against this, uh, what's her name again, Hobbs, who's terrified of Carrie Lake. And um, Lee Zeldin is running against Kathy Hochul, who's terrified of Lee Zeldin. Just terrified. And where is the media? Well, the local media. What a bunch of wusses. What a bunch of wussies. I'm going to have to, I, I think I'm in a one or two, I think I'm in, I might even be a member of the New York Press Club. Remind me to quit that group. 
I mean, they should be badgering this woman onto the stage, badgering her. Instead, what do they do? They treat her like, oh, Governor Hochul announced a new initiative today to pay for uh, unwed mothers to get training and this, that, and the other thing. Like, they just, and they don't report on what Lee Zeldin is doing. She's trying to use the uh, the advantage of incumbency. Well, it's fake incumbency. Uh, Carrie Lake, this woman, Again, Arizona, I know it doesn't apply here, but she's a soulmate of Lee Zeldin. Listen to this. Listen to her handle the fake news and school them. This is right after her opponent failed to show up at a debate. Cut 37. Unfortunately, I'm running against a coward who's afraid to stand on a debate stage and talk about what she wants to do for Arizona. The people in the liberal press need to demand that your candidate, the one you guys are backing in the liberal press, press show up and debate the people of arizona deserve this Mm. damn straight um good stuff i think she's gonna win she's gonna be and she could be president of the united states there is an aura about her i could see it i could really see it happening we've got some superstars out there and then we got bernie sanders why would they put bernie sanders on the weekend show I told you, they put all Democrats on all the shows. Uh, first, it was Bernie. Uh, I guess he's independent, but does this sound independent to you? It sounds pretty It sounds pretty leftist to me. Uh, what did you say there, Bernie? Cut 38. I thought people living paycheck to paycheck, we should raise the minimum wage. Okay, very good. What about uh, Evan McMullen? He was on Meet the Press as well. This guy is just another Trump-hating uh, guy who's giving it. A... I don't think Mike Lee is really on the ropes out there in Utah, but... This is Evan McMullen. The nerve of this guy. He's, he ran for president against Trump in one state, Utah. And they're actually giving him the time of day out there. And Mitt Romney is not helping Mike Lee. You want this nut job up there? Cut 39. Needs more independent leaders who will stand up to party bosses of both sides, the special interest groups who own too many of our politicians. Oh. Uh, yeah, special interest groups. Another guy going off on special interest groups. I think Joe Biden in 1972 ran against special interest groups. And then there's this woman. I have no idea who she is. Cut 40. Here on out will be marred with violence and with fraud because in a case where that happened, these people were not held accountable. And so that's the purpose of this committee is to ensure that we tell the full truth, allow government officials to make changes to the system. January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th, you'll notice is number 50 on people's lists of concerns. Um, But for every outgoing Republican, outgoing, does that, shouldn't that send a message? Okay. People like Liz Cheney, people like Adam Kinzinger, they can't quit January 6th, cut 41. What happened on January 6th was terrible. What led up to that and what happened since is what I'm more worried about and democracies are not defined by those bad days, but how we come back from those bad days. He's been saying that. Uh, he thinks somehow that's profound. Uh, he's a silly guy. Looks like he's in eighth grade. Uh, he's very young, uh, but it's kind of wild that at his young age, what is he, 37 or something like that? He's been in Congress for like a dozen years. This is what they do. And most members of Congress, when they're done being a member of Congress, they become 90% of them lobbyists. What else are they qualified to do for the most part? Nothing. Uh, what what skill have they, you know, asking for money, asking strangers and businesses for money and accommodating them with votes? What can they do? Chris Christie, I have a love-hate relationship with Chris Christie. Was not impressed with him as governor. He is a smart guy, a um, little bit too taken with himself. 
uh, thinks he's a tough guy. But this was an interesting moment where he's like, look, when it comes to January 6th, that committee screwed itself because they didn't allow for cross-examination or other witnesses with their, another point of view. It's only a snippet, but listen to what George Stephanopoulos and some of the other panelists say when he says there might be another thing to say about January 6th, another side to the story, cut 42. And so there are lots of Republicans across this country who just say, there's nobody there to argue the other side. Kinzinger and Cheney don't argue the other side to the extent that there is some arguments there. Um, but there's, no, what, there's no but yeah, other what is side. The other side like, Chris? Hey, there's no other side. Yes, of course there's another side. There's another side to January 6th. There's another side to the election. And uh, you know it. Don't let them. They're pretending that this is somehow a too hot to handle point of view. Like Saul was saying, it's our constitutional right to think and to even say that we have big time concerns about the election of 2020. I can't prove that it was stolen. I have a very strong suspicion that it was. I can't prove it. I can prove to you, though, that millions of votes that were cast in Pennsylvania were illegal in violation of the state constitution. That certainly throws Pennsylvania's votes up to major question. And I can also prove to you and show to you, and I can do it quite easily by just pointing to the Wisconsin Supreme Court and their recent decision that votes, that ballot drop boxes were illegal. They were not authorized, yet they used them in the 2020 election. And you can't do it. Uh, by the way, common sense tells you you can't do it. Uh, flimsy boxes, and everybody knows that you're dropping off uh, votes in there. Well, under the Wisconsin rules and Constitution, uh, you can't do it. But they just did it, and they use COVID as an excuse. They use it as an excuse for so, so much. Rich in Pennsylvania, yes. Thanks, Greg. What you were talking about before when you uh, gave a quote from Nixon about how when the candidates are on the campaign trail and they're trying to get elected and they're swinging left and they're swinging right into the middle on all the issues, it doesn't always correspond with their agendas once they were elected. And it reminded me of what Kennedy said when he first got into the Oval Office. He said he couldn't believe that things were really as bad as he said they were on the campaign trail. <laughs> he said and, that? Uh, yes, he did. And uh, when uh, yesterday I heard Curtis um, t- uh, um, disagree with Trump endorsing Zeldin. And since that time, I've heard two different people uh, give, that same, uh, give that same quote um, uh, since, I heard, since Curtis said it. Well, anyway, listen, uh, the one thing that I was talking about, though, wasn't governing. I was talking about campaigning. And what Nixon said is you campaign, you know, either to the right or to the left to win your party's nomination and then to win the general election. Often, you know, look, this is not ideal, but this is human behavior and this is politics. You move generally toward the center. You move generally toward the center. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you, you, you want to talk to you want to get more people other than your base. And you know what? Quite frankly, I hope that at some point at the right moment, Trump reaches out to the other side, to the opposition. Not to say that, you know, oh, I'm going to I didn't believe any of the stuff I said earlier. Just that I can be a president of all the people. He said he would do that on election night. I think he tried to, although he was under constant attack. But he could say, you know, you on the left, you have nothing to fear from me. 
I believe in the Constitution. I believe in your right to free speech. I am not going to silence or censor you. I I just feel like he has a tremendous opportunity. He's uniquely suited for it because coming from him, you know, some people will be shocked. Not that it's him, but the way he's been falsely portrayed, I think. Anyway, Rich, um, yeah. So where is that quote? I want to look it up, the JFK quote. What's that? Oh, geez. You're listening to yourself on the radio, aren't you? No, um, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, all right. No, well, I'm turn not. it down. I heard myself on the background. I said, where did you get that JFK quote? Uh, I read it in a book. I have a lot of books on JFK. And if I can find which book it was, it's in my library. I'll get it out to you. I wonder what the hell it was, because it wasn't the missile gap. You remember, he talked about a missile gap. And when he got to be, when he became president, wait, hold on, hold on. When he became president, he basically discovered, uh, hmm, there was no missile gap. It was all a, it was all a makeup job on his part. Uh, Anyway, Rich, very interesting point. Oh, they're making that. Hey, we got some new trail mix and it's genuine trail mix, which is foul stuff. You know, trail mix is basically candy, you know, with a couple of peanuts thrown in. Well, somebody has made this real trail mix. I mean, they went out into the woods and picked up a bunch of grass, and that's the trail mix we have. i got to talk to somebody about this. I'll be right back on that. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No, I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. And so I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. And that's why I have a commissioner that's capable of doing it. So all those who are saying that my correction officers are not capable of doing it, all those who are saying, you know, have others come in to handle our education, to handle this, to handle that, to handle that, all I can say to them, don't ever run for mayor because of your solution to solving the problems of this city is to find other people to fix them, then you should never be the mayor of the city of New York. Mayor Adams want the problems because I was elected to fix them. You know, when I hear about this, when I hear him talk like this, I start asking myself, how many bedrooms are there in Gracie Mansion? Hmm? What what would the drapes, what, what drapes should we get for the living room? Uh, <laughs> uh, because I know a hell of a lot of people and I would call on them immediately to come to New York, world-class experts who know things that Eric doesn't, uh, who know a lot, some things that I don't even know, and some things that I know that I know they're good at. We speak the same language. You need people, world-class people, to come in, and that's one of the great things about New York. That's one of the great advantages of being a New York mayor. People want to be here, at least they used to, and you could attract top talent. And we have that guy who sounds, let's face it, like a juvenile delinquent running around, a, a, just a, a juvenile delinquent with an ego problem. I, th- that is that narcissism or what? That is a full-on narcissist right there. I, 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 mayor, not emperor. And that's silly. He, he's going around literally wearing a cape. He's a bum. He's a bum. I, I, a low life. 
I told you guys this. I told you he knew nothing. And now he's going to fix. He's going to fix Rikers Island. He is Eric. Eric. Why? Because he wore a bulletproof vest. Well, let's have the bulletproof vest do it. I think we'd have better luck with that. (laughs) Just, uh, it's looking very, very interesting to me. Why? I don't necessarily, you know, I don't even want, I've been to Gracie Mansion. I've been all through it. I don't want to live there. Uh, I don't want to be the mayor. I don't want to do all that stuff. I don't want to surrender my life, my privacy. I don't want my family to go through it. Um, But I have a feeling. I have a feeling that no one's going to step up. And I have a feeling that some of the qualified people are going to be intimidated by the racial politics of New York. I'm not. I'm not. You know what? You can call me a racist. You can call me what you can call me all these horrible things. I've been called it all. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know I'm not those horrible things. It doesn't bother me. And I just may have to do it. I may have to do it. I may. There's no way. I can't let this guy be mayor for eight years. No way. Mm -mm. I'll need your help, of course. I'm not Mike Bloomberg. I can't write my own. I can't write a check to myself for this. But uh, I've got some experts right down the hall. I got Curtis Sliwa, who gave it a shot not too long ago. I got Rudy Giuliani. Who better than that guy, huh? I've got my father, Ray Kelly. There's some there's some talent right there. Right off the bat, I'll be reaching out for help. Them and of course you. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No. I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. The problems that we have, I was elected to resolve them. And so I want the problem of Rikers Island. I want to fix Rikers Island. And that's why I have a commissioner that's capable of doing it. So all those who are saying that my correction officers are not capable of doing it, all those who are saying, you know, have others come in to handle our education, to handle this, to handle that, to handle that, all I can say to them, don't ever run for mayor because of your solution to solving the problems of this city is to find other people to fix them, then you should never be the mayor of the city of New York. Mayor Adams wants the problems because I was elected to fix them. Uh, okay. Does he, can he ever, can he define the word humility, right? Maybe a little humility. Is this, is this, does that sound like public service to you? It sounds like ego maintenance, out of control ego and narcissism. My God, it, it is, it's kind, it's fascinating to hear somebody talk like that out loud. Out loud, 200,000 people in a city of 8 million on the last day of school. <laughs> Presto changeo, ranked choice voting. Try explaining that to me. Man, we could use a guy like Andrew. I would take Andrew Yang. I'd take Catherine Garcia. I'd take anybody, anybody. Yeah, I want anybody to take care of this, to take care of that, to take care of the other thing, to take care of that. Yeah, that's what I want. Well, what's our number here? 800 800- Eight four eight nine two 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 eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. You know what he should do? Well, he'll never do this. He probably doesn't know who Lyndon Johnson is, or wouldn't be able to find it. Uh, so Lyndon Johnson, shortly after he became president, it was 
at Andrews Air Force Base right after, I guess it was maybe six hours after Kennedy died. And he stands there, he's the, he's the president, and he says, I, I just ask for your help and God's. Lyndon Johnson was a very flawed character, man and president. But in that moment, he said, he said what had to be said in the most beautiful way. Uh, then we got, <laughs> I'm the mayor, and it's going to be that way. Um, by the way, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Don't ever get on Instagram. It is such an incredible waste of time, and it's so addictive. I just find myself scrolling through it all the time. Now, the things on there are fascinating. I got a video. I never, I never even thought of this. How do they paint planes? There's an amazing video of this guy painting a plane, this whole crew. They're painting a great big airliner. I never thought about how they paint those things, but they do, and there's a whole process. Then there is a bunch of people who have model, not trains, but uh, roller coasters. They make model roller coasters in their basement. They are incredible. They're beautiful. They work. And then there are guys who get this. They have I've heard of radio-controlled planes, but then they put little, little tiny cameras in the radio-controlled planes and they put it again behind a little guy, a little like plastic pilot figure, and it looks like a real plane, and they're flying around. It's just incredible stuff, and it goes on like this. It, 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 people experimenting with new pens and handwriting, and then another guy telling me about the International Space Station and giving me a history lesson and telling me they're going to they're gonna, uh, get rid of it in 2030. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're going to crash it into the ocean. Incredible photography, and you can just get lost in it. You can get lost in it, and your your life goes by as you watch these other people. Uh, but there is one little item I'm going to share with you that I think might be helpful. It's by it's by a guy named uh, what the hell's his name? Dranky Fades, Drank Frank the Greek, Frankie the Greek, Frankie the Greek. He's a hybrid athlete, whatever the hell that is. Looks like he's a personal trainer, maybe I don't know. Frankie the Greek, and he's got a bunch of pictures of him all cut up, this and that. But he posted a picture of him before, you know, he started working out. And he's an ordinary kind of pudgy guy. And he's got this message up here. Listen to this. I know what it's like not wanting to take my shirt off by the pool. I know what it's like to always wear black because it made me look skinnier. I know what it's like to make excuses and quit every single thing that challenged me. I know what it's like to to hate looking at pictures of myself because I couldn't believe I let myself go. But with all that justify it, what did he say? But with all that justify it with I don't have time, the genetics, the skill, the knowledge, etc. Okay, I understand. That's the thing with insecurities. We may say the lie out loud, but deep down you know you have more to give. Mental toughness and discipline isn't something anyone is born with. I used to think so because I had neither. But over time, you keep developing it by constantly winning each day against your former self. Every day I battle that past, weak-minded version of me, and most days I win. Some days you may not, and that's fine. But even if you win most days, it's better than not trying at all. It will compound over time. Good for you, Frankie Frankie the Greek. You can find him on Instagram and let me put in my own wisdom here. Of course, it's not mine, but actually a caller a couple of weeks ago said he's reading a chapter a day of the Bible. And, you know, I've been reading the Bible, and sometimes I, 
and sometimes I don't, but uh, the chapter a day really, really is something you can do and keep at it. And then, you know, all of a sudden, wow, you're, you know, you've, you've read, you've read entire books of the Bible and it's, it becomes part of you. That's a great way to tackle it, a chapter a day and meditate on it and meditate. Don't just read to get it read. Think on it and let it, let it, let it sink in. Let it come into you. It's uh, and it's all possible. All right, Jimmy in Staten Island, what's up? Hi, hi, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I want to say something, and uh, I think it cost Lee Zelding a lot of votes, which could be very critical in this race. It was said at the five o'clock rush hour, and it was said that Kathy Hochul is a nice woman, but she can't get things done because of the legislature. So, that wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Who said that? I'm not, I don't want to say that because it'll, it'll be a conflict of interest for you. Well, wait a so, second. I, I can take it. If you I want mean, me to say who say it, said it, I'll say it. Uh, well, wait a second. John Casamitidi said it. Oh, the boss. Well, whatever the boss, the boss. says goes. I Look, number one, I can't disagree with him. Well, yes, I can I can disagree with him. I actually don't think she's that nice. And, she's uh, a horrible woman. And, uh, but you know what? John may have met her and has a different take on it. So uh, I appreciate you giving me the the, the, the the wiggle room here. So anyway, keep going. Okay, so listen, I think he has a big heart. He's a very nice person, and I think she sweet-talked him, and he kind of went with his emotions. But if you look at her record, she is horrible. Well, he said horrible. one thing on one day on one show. Uh, I mean, he's also he also talks he, hold on he also talks about Lee Zeldin. We're all in for Lee Zeldin. I mean, I am personally. I know a lot of other people are. Um, look, listen, seriously, do you sit around waiting for people to tell you how to vote? Do you, Jimmy? Absolutely not. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. So you know what? I mean, it's a radio station. It's his radio station. He can say whatever he wants. I mean, and and he's right to point out that that legislature is totally, totally, totally screwed up. Now, I didn't hear the entire conversation. I'm sure somebody mentioned that, uh, the governor has all kinds of emergency powers. She's choosing not to use them, and Zeldin has promised to use them. I certainly agree with him. The legislature is totally screwed up, and you know what? <laughs> uh, what's his name? Cuomo rubber-stamped a lot of that stuff. So, Jimmy, all right. Thanks for calling. Uh, Gary is in Manhattan. Up in Inwood, the top of Manhattan. Yeah, I know where it is. Do you, When you say you got to come in to say— Let's say you have an appointment at the Empire State Building, okay? And you, you're saying, are you married? Yes. Yeah. Do you say to your wife, I'm going into the city? How do you, how do you refer to downtown? Do you ever say that, even though you're on Manhattan? I'm, go- I'm going downtown. Do you ever say, do people up in Inwood ever say, ever refer to Midtown as the city? Not that, I, not that I've ever heard. Yeah. You say downtown. Yeah. I was fascinated as a kid because I grew up in Nassau County and my cousins were in Queens. And they would call Manhattan the city. I'm like, we are in the city. We are. This is Queens. It's New York City. And uh, I always I always wondered that about you guys up there in Inwood. Anyway, what's up? Uh, just my, for my two cents. If you t- Uh-oh. I want to get your two cents. What's going on with your phone? Two cents, okay. No. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. My opinion is my go-to guy was lean on Rudy Giuliani as much as possible. Yeah, I already said I would. No, I know. I'm just emphasizing it again. I think that's a go-to guy. I don't see where you could ever go wrong with his advice. 
Uh, yeah, Rudy knows a lot. I am blessed. I got experts all over the place who would help me, and I would need expertise. I would need expertise, unlike our egomaniac, unlike that egomaniac dummy, Eric Adams. I don't know why people think the response to a problem is allowing someone else to handle the problem. No, I want the problem. I want the problem of the generational dysfunction of Rikers. I want it. I don't want someone else to handle a problem of New York City. All right, you see, prob- because you're not, you're not mature. You're not a mature man. You're not a thoughtful man. You are... <laughs> Go back to New Jersey. <laughs> Let's send Eric Adams back to New Jersey. Gary, I appreciate the support. Tell me a little bit more about Inwood. It's, uh, it's actually pretty, uh, it's pretty busy up there. It's pretty busy. Busier than you might think. When you're going by on the West Side Highway, it looks like... There's nothing up there, but you go right over that hill, and it's uh, it's pretty intense. Eh? What? Oh, man, that new... F- what? what? Last time. Go ahead. I am surrounded by two parks. Okay. Uh, Inwood Hill Park on my right, and, and I should... All right, you're not surrounded by enough cell phone towers. All right, try... Thanks, man. Uh, let's do one more. Jeff is in Queens. Hi. Oh, there you go. How are you, Greg? Good. Good, Greg. Let me get a speaker so I can talk to you. Greg, my question is this: What happened to Biden's daughter? Uh, Biden's daughter's diary. That was a big thing for a long time, and all of a sudden it fell off the table. Well, number one, it was never big enough. It was never big enough. Uh, you know, so many, so many angles of this are utterly, entirely crazy. Number one, the content of the diary. The stuff that Ashley Biden says in that diary. Now, why why do I suddenly feel confident or comfortable talking about it? When it came out, I wasn't. And I'll tell you why. Because going back to the Brady Bunch, when somehow Davy Jones, no, Desi Arnaz Jr. found Marsha Brady's diary, and they never really explained that, um, I think the gentlemanly thing to do if you find a diary is to return it to its owner. There were deeply personal, private things in that diary. However, Joe chose to make a federal case out of it and did it in the most parochial, small-time Delaware way, sicking the FBI on the poor people that down there who found it. A woman living in a halfway house, essentially, found it in the closet. Oh, my gosh, this is Ashley Biden's diary. Who wouldn't try? I mean, I, I, they, she left it. She lost it. Finders keepers. I still think they shouldn't have put it out there. But when Joe sicked the FBI on them and hassling Project Veritas, they locked up these two people. Someone's going to jail. They did horrible things to them. For a diary? Federal resources? The FBI? FBI, Friends of Biden Incorporated, we have got to overhaul that failed institution. Totally failed. And, oh, by the way, has been so for a long, long time. So, Jeff, it's a good point. And I will recall the two highlights of the diary that are very disturbing. And I'm sorry, Ashley Biden, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't. You, you got your dad to blame for this one. Sicking the FBI, bringing the FBI into this. Because you lost your diary. But you're right in there about, uh, eh, you know what, I, I'm, I'm actually not going to mention the content. All right? Because some of her struggles have been my struggles. 
But I, I will say it. this to uh, Ashley: the 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 stuff, the solutions that you're looking for. And I did see. I'll say this one part of the diary. She said, "You can do it. You can do it. You can achieve all your dreams. You are Ashley Blazer Biden." And she underlines it. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. You know, Joe makes a big deal about being a Catholic or whatever, but I think he missed the most important part about inviting Jesus, you know, accepting Jesus and getting into that Bible and living through him, letting him live through you. And Ashley's life will be so much, everything will be different. Everything, everything, everything. I've often thought about reaching out to her, believe it or not. I know. I'll pro- they'll probably send the FBI my way. I'd be nice about it. So, Jeff, those are my thoughts. I appreciate it. Greg, All right. make sure you run for mayor because we we got to get this character out of there. <laughs> it's disgusting. I it's know. Really, it's really a shame what they're doing this to this country, and we're sitting here letting them do it. Why? Uh, well, we're, 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 you know, sitting here letting them do it. What do you mean? What are we, what are we supposed, what, what, look. Look, I mean, you're doing your part. I, I'm sure you're going to vote on election day, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like we're going to we're active citizens, you know, letting them do it. You know, we 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 got an election coming up. We're going to vote. Hey, remember also, we've got computers, we got pens and pencils. We can write letters. We can be active citizens. We can write our councilman, our state senator, our assemblyman. We can ask to see them. And guess what? Believe it or not, they just might make that appointment with you. Uh, so. We're doing we're doing what needs to be done. Oh, and one more thing. Send money to these guys. All right? Send money. Jeff, I appreciate it so much. I'll be back. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and have Happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I just saw a uh, Kathy Hochul commercial. I see a lot working against her. Uh, it's a real turnoff. And I don't think she's experienced enough to know this. Um, look, when you see Lee Zeldin on TV... He really does look like a kind of a regular guy, a real guy, uh, just a real person. Uh, and it's shot in a way that just makes sense. And he's wearing, you know, I don't know where the hell the clothes come from. Maybe Brooks Brothers, you know, nothing, you know, nothing too expensive. The kind, you know, you see a guy on the Long Island Railroad, you know, it's not like an Eric Adams suit. It's not like uh, he's walking around like in Tom Ford from head to toe. It's just, you know, regular. Now, Kathy Hochul, I don't know what brand she's wearing but I know enough about clothes to know when they're super expensive. And whatever the hell she's got on, it's this dark green, super expensive uh, ensemble. And uh, then then they show her in a classroom with another, this is a blue, super expensive ensemble. She's just taken with the celebrity, taken with the status, taken with the uh, the power, although... She doesn't know what the hell to do with the power other than hook up her friends. Um, so that it's a real turnoff. It's a real, real turnoff. Now, am I being sexist? Some people say I'm being sexist. Well, I don't think so, actually. 
I just ripped on Eric Adams. Uh, one of his many problems is the same thing. He overdoes it in the wardrobe department. I don't know why I'm getting dirty looks from certain women around the station right now, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, all right, I got to wrap up. I got 10 o'clock tonight. The news next show is hot, hot, hot. 10 o'clock. Let me go through these three callers uh, who are at the top of the queue very quickly. Jim in upstate, I guess. What's up? Hey, Greg. Yeah, upstate New York, Athens. It's a little tiny. All right, what's up? Uh, real quick, Kathy Hochul is just a mistake. I said that before. I know. She's a hand-picked stooge by Cuomo yep. to yes everything he did and never upstage him. Yep. Now she's trying to talk like she's a tough broad, <laughs> and she's playing to his his playbook. You nailed you know, it. Uh, you it, nailed it, it. The last inner-city poor people think she's going to take care of them. Okay. She cares about herself, and she likes the power, like you said. Yeah, all right. With what else? She's making that funnels the money back. What else? You had a guy who was a Muslim on there saying about the conservative. That is true. Not all Muslims are the same, just like not all Christians are the same. I'm a Christian. Totally, Jim. Totally, Jim. Put. Totally, totally. Hey, I agree with you. I'm sorry I'm running out of time. I get, I got to get to John in Staten Island. Yes. Yeah, Greg, I support your candidacy. I think a better candidate would probably be your dad because your dad got crime down to low numbers. He'll expose Eric Adams for the house mouse that he was when he was a cop. The whole nine yards. Your father's got the experience to run this city. I love that expression, by the way. 100%. I love that expression, house mouse. <laughs> when they stay in the station house, they call them house, a house mouse. I love it. Well, look, if my father runs, I guess he'll be a worthy opponent. I'll have to primary him. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be awkward running against my. I'm only kidding. I would love it. I would love it if he ran. But uh, I think at this point, uh, you know, look, he said no. He said no twice to running for mayor. Uh, would have been great, uh, but it just uh, didn't happen. He's too good for politics. Me? I'm not afraid to get down there and get muddy with the rest of them. Maybe. Maybe. John, thank you. Eddie, Eddie in Babylon, yes. Greg R. Kelly. I had a friend, Paul Diggs, chief of cardiology at Northport VA. He told me, and this listen to the end of it because it applies to you. He said, if you go into a kitchen uh, with the girl that you love and you don't see everything you like in her family, don't walk out of the house. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm not going to go, don't walk out of the house. He goes, run, run, Greg, run for mayor. I will totally support you. All right, what does that have to do with the Uh, kitchen? I didn't get the kitchen story. Well, you know, the kitchen is where the party is, where you meet all the family and everything. And he said, if you don't like it, don't walk out of the house. Run, run out of there. I want you to run for mayor. I'm the All Dale right. Carnegie guy. That you, oh, uh, yeah, 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 oh yeah. Dale right. Carnegie. I appreciate it, Eddie. I just might. I just might. I got to take a good look at it. I, I probably will. You know what I should probably do is shut up about it for a couple of months and do some real work and real planning and uh, and then get back to you all. Eddie, I appreciate it. I'll see you tonight on my Newsmax show at 10 p.m. Eastern time. All the best. I love my Italian heritage and the food that goes along with it. That's why on Sundays after church, I head over with my father to Italo's Fine Foods on Forest Avenue in Staten Island with our list from Mom. They have two locations on Forest Avenue, 1566 and the new one at 725. It's family-owned and serving Italian specialties since 2014. They also have a full catering menu, the freshest meats, imported San Martano tomatoes from Italy, and the best mozzarella. Order in-store, by phone, or online. They even deliver. ItaloFineFoods.com, I-T-A-L-O, FineFoods.com. Tell them Vinnie Madugno and WABC sent you. Manja.